Once upon a time, two men decided if they were making the cut. And then they made the cut. And now JT and Aaron are talking everything from wrestling to pop culture and beyond. Because it's no holds barred. Will you back down, turn and run? Or stand up with the best? No hold barred. Conspiracy edition. I was, I as a child, I was terrified about the the uh, coincidences between Abraham Lincoln and JFK. How about the Bermuda Triangle and JFK? It was all in the same book. I bought right. this book that had like unexplained stuff in it. It was the Bermuda Triangle, JFK and Lincoln. I think mm-hmm. Yuri Geller was in that shit too. You know that guy who bends the spoons? Yep. The Matrix is based on his life, right? I've never seen The Matrix. I know you haven't seen a lot of movies, but why not The Matrix? There's no gore in The Matrix. I just never saw it. I actually own them on DVD, but I've never watched them. I own a lot of, you know, I own a lot of weird stuff on DVD I've never watched. Yeah. There was just a ton, like, that was a thing to do in, like, the mid-2000s and stuff. Like, Buy DVDs? Just go to Walmart and just grab, like, a $10 DVD that they had. And so yeah. yeah, I got I got like a ton of them. From oh, era. I should have this. Right. Uh, I think I the one that have. I that I've never watched that I should watch is Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World. Oh. It's a Russell Crowe boat movie. I know of it, but I've never seen it. You neither. Do, do mm-hmm. you want to come over and watch it? Yeah, as soon as I can. Watch the, the Matrix right after. <laughs> this is episode seventy-five of the show, Aaron. Wow. So we're we're nearing a hundred. Yeah, 25 away, yep. Yeah. 25. Mm-hmm. A quarter left. Correct. I feel good about that. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it would be more, but also not that many at the same time. Well, I mean, we only really committed ourselves to jumping back in on this in 2020. Right. Even before then, we were kind of sporadic, but then we really kind of cranked it up in 2020. And I think this is, at least this is the show I've been most consistent with keeping on the air. Uh, yeah, I would think so. I mean, we've pretty much hit, I, I mean, I think since North South started, we've hit the two to a month pretty consistently. So, yeah. And we've got a couple of fun projects. I mean, this one uh, is a project we started uh-huh. uh, in September. And we are counting down, or not counting down, I guess ranking the WWF world title changes. Chronologically. So we've already done 14 of them, and tonight we're going to cover three. And this will be Hogan's fourth reign, I guess, pretty much. It's his win over Sergeant Slaughter. And fifth. And fifth. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, third and fourth, right? Third, and fourth, third yeah. and fourth, yeah. It's his win over Slaughter at Mania 7, and then his match against The Undertaker at Survivor Series 91, and then his match rematch with The Undertaker a couple days later at Tuesday in Texas. And, of course, that'll set us up for our next stretch, which will be a hoot as yeah. we talk about the uh, the Ric Flair run. So I hope you like Ric Flair coming up. Cause... <laughs> yes. It'll be interesting, too, as we obviously um, will have just covered Flair's Rumble run. Uh, now we're entering the Rumble, and yeah. I think when we do that match on this show, we'll focus more around like the rest of the match, probably. Of course, and kind of what the match means, and and so on and so forth, like that. 
Okay, so do you want to talk about the categories that we grade these uh, matches on? Yeah, absolutely. So we've been working with uh, five categories that we each rank out of 10, and that gives us a score out of 100. Uh, the five categories are, number one, match quality. Number two, significance. Number three, the moment. So everything involved with the moment. Number four, build. And number five, aftermath. And it's interesting that at this point, the highest score that anything's had is a 76 out of 100. Yeah, so you thought we'd have some higher? I don't know. This is a hard one, right? Because the categories really it's it's a wide net of categories, right? Right. So like it's even like the greatest match of all time can have a shit build. Well, maybe not. Maybe that doesn't make sense. Um I'm trying to think of like like it it's it's always one category that keeps it from being close to like the 90s or 100s. <laughs> right. Well, we'll see if that continues to be a trend. Mm. Okay. Yes. Now, Hogan, now Slaughter, when we last we talked, Slaughter had defeated the Ultimate Warrior at the Royal Rumble 1991. He did, yes. And, it was and the up. crowd was irate. They were not happy. Is it because he represented Iraq? Or Iraq. My dad, did you, did you have, well, maybe your dad, no. My dad would always overpronounce the I in, in like countries and people's names. Mm. So he would say Italians. Uh, no, I wouldn't say I had that. In my situation. No, obviously not. I, I, I kind of like, <laughs> but like, is that something you've heard before? Is that offensive? I have heard it. Yes, I have heard it. Is it offensive? Uh, no, I just think it's the wrong way of saying something. Yeah. Yeah. He did that a lot. He always called Jedi jetties. That's a weird one. So there's really no excuse. I don't understand. <laughs> Enough of my dad. The first match we're dealing with is Sergeant Slaughter defending the WWF championship uh, against Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 7. Yeah, this was March 24th, 1991 from the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. And that's kind of the first big one, right? This was, you know, rumored to, well, not rumored. It was initially announced to have been at the Coliseum. <clears throat> of course, the story goes that the WF was afraid of death threats levied towards Sergeant Slaughter, so they decided to go indoors, so they didn't want to have an open stadium where something could potentially go wrong. Uh, more cynical and, and probably right people have said it was a shit ticket sale, so they decided to move it yeah. inside to the small arena, obviously. Who knew that a guy you just turned heel on a dime and then pushed to the top didn't draw against a guy who's been champion for the better part of four years? It's uh, surprising. I mean, but I feel like Hogan, I feel like uh, Warrior Savage was big enough. I don't know. I guess they were just cooling off. I think it was just overall cooling in general. Yeah, it's it's the dying of that era we're watching right now. Right. Right. And I, I don't I don't necessarily mean that as a bad thing. It's just all the major characters that kind of run their course. And after this show is when we start getting into the real crazy stuff. Right. Right. Like the whole Jake the Snake going insane and trying to kill people with snakes and the Undertaker. And it's very dark. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a really dark field. But this is not a dark field. So because because of this whole slaughter being a traitor, I really like that the whole show kind of has a military feel. Uh, oh, so you like that. You're a fan of that. Yeah, I think oh, I'm not I'm not necessarily a fan of him. I don't know. I think his traitor thing is whatever. But like I find like the whole the whole theme. I like when shows are themed. Mm -hmm. Right. And this theme, this show is really themed red, white, red, white and blue. Very much. so. Yes. All over. And I, I like it. Even as a Canadian, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like and before we get to the match, um, these promos they cut before are 
are fantastic as usual. Mm-hmm. And like Slaughter and his commanding officer are laughing and Adnan is ranting in Arabic or Arabic. Is it Arabic? I think it's Arabic. I get that from my dad. Uh, Arabic. Arabic. Uh, but it's like, it's one of those, it's like when uh, Davari used to rant, but you only understand the guy's name. Like, yes, yes. Love it. Um, but Slaughter is acting like he's understanding the whole time. He's nodding along like, yeah, no clue. And the whole thing with Slaughter is he's screaming about his rules. Uh, like, these are my rules. Yeah, that was his big hook coming into this was the Slaughter rules, which is basically like the no rules thing, right? So he's going to do whatever he wants by any means necessary. And I feel like it was a rare time where the champion was very forthcoming that he didn't give a shit if he won or not. Yeah. Like he just wanted to hurt people and keep his title. And if that meant getting disqualified, using weapons, using interference, he would do whatever it took. He's yeah. very outgoing about that. Well, yeah, he oh, he's like, you never know what might happen. I might get disqualified. You win the battle, not the war. It's such a, I, I, in retrospect, I quite like it because it's different, but it's such a strange promo to be cutting before a main event match. Like, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's all he had. I guess. I mean, I, I do think, like, given how quickly they heated him up and what his gimmick was and role, like, they did about as good a job as possible, I think, to make him somewhat believable. Like, they emptied the tank with every possible trick and gimmick and everything else, burning the Hulkamania stuff, threatening to burn the flag, attacking everyone, beating up Doug. Like, I thought they did a pretty good job to at least make it, like, it's probably not going to win, but... It doesn't feel like totally insane that he's in this match. No, no, not at all. Like, uh, all right, uh, Robert, Robert, uh, we're going to need you to wear the Iron Sheik boots for us, please, please. Just to not really get the same, right. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I it's, it's funny because I think that like him, him talking about getting counted out or disqualified. I like that. But I can't imagine that if he said that before the pay-per-view, that that helps sell the pay-per-view. Right. Oh, he's just going to get disqualified. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I guess the threat was more that he was going to hurt Hogan. Right. That he would even, do whatever it took to hurt him. You know, even if that meant he would then keep his title by DQ or whatever. He was willing to go that to those lengths. He should have just gone to his house and burned down his house. Right. Like, hurt it. In it. <laughs> well, that would save another life. <clears throat> Slaughter's but always the, been a hero. It's really amazing we're even in the spot. Like, Slaughter's at the top of the mountain. And here we are a year later after Hogan put over Warrior um, to be the next big thing, right? The next star, the next guy who was going to lead the company, et cetera, et cetera. And a year later, here we are, and Warrior's second to Hogan. Hogan's back in the title picture. Yeah, and a kind of, like, I mean, no disrespect to Sergeant Slaughter, but at this point, kind of a scrub beat Warrior. Right. Like, it, I mean, I think he does like I think he does ends up doing well in the role. But at the time, it's like, what him now? Like this old man? I'm surprised they really thought Hogan Warrior 2 wouldn't draw. Like. I don't yeah, I don't know the thought process there. Like, I know Warrior had kind of tanked, but he didn't have anyone to fight. Right. So right. if he fights Hogan here, like, I think there's enough excitement for Hogan to get his win back. But I do hate to change anything that would potentially take away Warrior Savage. So. Yeah, one of the greatest matches of all time. Slaughter's 43 here. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel that old, but in this era, it was really old. Right. 
But he's bumping like he's 20. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hogan also counters the promo <coughs> with his own. He's all decked out in yellow, red, white, and blue, which I love. But then he goes, Sergeant Slaughter only, needs gra- only knows ground combat, but I'm bringing new tech. <laughs> what is he talking about? No fucking clue. And then they show him beating up General Adnan in a match, and I'm confused as to why Adnan would agree to such a match. Right. But lots of cool stuff is like they do the camel clutch and waving the flag in his face. And then, like, to break it up, Pat Patterson's in the worst color blue suit I've ever seen. <laughs> and then, and then like, Hogan goes, I've changed in the last week. I've done a 360. 180. Yeah, whatever that means, yeah. <laughs> then he rips off his shirt and quotes the national anthem. And then he goes, Sergeant Slaughter's going to be a victim of Twilight's last. And, like, he doesn't say gleaming. It sounds like creaming, <laughs> which is disrespectful to everything involved. Uh, but that's what brings us to the match. Yeah, and Sergeant Adnan march out. Right away, Gorilla's already starting with Regis and Bobby. Uh, I do. I think Regis actually adds something to this match on commentary too. I enjoy him here. I think he does a good job. Um, you know, Slaughter. I think really mastered the persona persona by this point. Like we talked about he's got his new Iraqi military uniform on yeah. that he picked up during this time, uh, and a huge pop for Hogan. Like he's clearly still the fans' top dog at this. It's point. crazy. It's crazy as pop. And he also found himself another shirt to tear, which is good. Gorilla also declares Hogan our national hero. Is this true? It's not Martin Luther King? Uh, I mean, in 91, you could probably argue Hogan's up there. Up there is national hero. <laughs> a lot of pacing and setting up as Slaughter disrobes, a big lockup and a tussle. The crowd's fired up a USA chant. Uh, you know, we get the big kind of shove off of the lockup that gets a big pop when Hogan throws him back, cranks the headlock, really just hammering away until Adnan smacks him. And then Hogan just beats the shot of Adnan too, which allows Sarge to use the chair, but Hogan no-sells that. So he's just like full-on dominant Hogan out of the gate here. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because it's very different than his other matchups. I do like at the beginning how when they lock up at first, they kind of roll around really aggressively. And I think that does a really great job selling like the anger involved in the match. Uh, but Slaughter is bumping like a madman on like mm-hmm. the shoulder blocks and stuff, which is it's a in one way it's like a cool contrast to the year before because the year right. before you got the God battle right. Yes. And this one Slaughter's offense is like really weak uh, compared to the Warriors the year before. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, it's definitely filled with more tricks and um, yeah, the sneaky offense versus power offense. Yeah. Also, Slaughter isn't wearing the boots that Saddam gave him in this match. No, you think he would have them on. Yeah. And the most Saw important it. match of his life. Right. But it's it's cool because it's a different formula in that Hogan keeps overpowering him and dominating instead of like you get that one big Hogan sequence. Right. Right. Yeah. He's just crushing him to start. And he then almost wins. Yeah. He almost wins with an atomic drop. Right. Do you think they should have just had this be a squash? I mean, it could have been. I bet the crowd would have gone crazier if it was. If they just did like an Iron Sheik style destruction. If you just beat the fucking shit out of him. In like four minutes and then pin him. I guess that would kill their summer rematches though. I guess. Yeah. Unless you bring in uh, fucking Mustafa then and Uh that's the rematch. (laughs) No, it's better this way. So Sarge goes to the eyes, is raking the back. Lays in some knees. Regis notes that the brain is rooting against Hulk. <laughs> very, yeah. very observant. Uh, brain also invites Regis to his primetime party, but Regis says he's busy. <laughs> yeah, Hogan firing back. He decks both guys. Like you said, he gets two on the atomic drop. Um, 
you know, Hogan's doing whatever he can to avoid that cheap t- non-title win because Sarge keeps trying to escape and Hogan keeps pulling him back in. I A lot of stooching the- from Sarge, too. Oh, yeah, so much. I love the all-American back rakes to slaughter. Mm-hmm. And Gorilla justifies by saying, like, Hogan has to pull out all the stops. But does he? Like, at this point, he's murdering this man. Yes, yes, just crushing him. And Donald Trump is having the time of his life in the front row. Yes. Maybe the happiest day of his life. Uh, maybe second. Second. Maybe second. Uh, but I love Regis at one point just goes, this is some beating, isn't it? <laughs> just destroying him. I love the spot where he drives Slaughter to the corner with the high knee and then slingshots him to the post. That was a, a good back two spot there. Hogan hammering away in the corner, dropping elbows. He goes up top, and Adnan ties his leg. Sarge slams him off. And it was kind of an odd decision by Hogan because it really cost him to go up top. Like, he was just destroying him all match. It just felt like completely unnecessary. And that does allow Slaughter to take over. He knocks Hogan to the floor, smacks him with a chair. And the ref is letting it all go. Like, they basically said, it's Slaughter's rule. So they're not they're not DQing him. They're letting, they're letting it ride. Yeah. Yeah, they're just letting it go. And, and Gorilla declares, this is the Hulkster of the 90s. <laughs> Yes, this is it. Even though it's pretty much a Hogan formula match since the start. I was thinking to myself, like, who's a better super fan? Brock Lesnar guy now or Donald Trump in the 1980s and 90s? Uh, I don't know. And then as I as I thought that, I saw Vladimir and I'm like, OK, it's him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and Slaughter's just cheating like crazy. He's beating him with a chair. He's choking him with the cable. And I do like that, like, Hogan's back kind of gets fucked. And that's when Slaughter actually capitalizes on the match. Right. Yes. Yeah, and he's really destroying the back, kicking away at it, focusing hard on clubbing it. Uh, Sarge could test a two count. Bobby says in Iraq, you only have to count to two for a win. Sarge twists Hogan to a Boston Crab, which was near the ropes, which was always kind of an odd spot, I thought, in this match. Yeah. Uh, Hogan struggles and just reaches over and grabs the rope uh, easily. Even Regis, I do like, I do like Regis says, he's like, why does he just grab the rope? Yeah, and then he, <laughs> he does. I do like Adnan, Adnan pushing Sergeant Slaughter's head for extra leverage. That's a nice little touch for me. If you bend your neck, if you bend your neck, does it give you additional uh, Boston Crab leverage? Look, there's so many things they do in these matches that I'm like, how does that help? But whatever. (laughs) I accept it as part of this world. Uh, But this is where Hogan grabs the ropes and the ref taps Slaughter. And of course, he thinks he's won. I hate that. You'd think after some point, Slaughter would realize that's not the end of a match. Like, this is not like it was. It's up there with how guys always end up in the middle rope for the six one nine against Ray. Like it just was one of, or Farouk always happens to stand over a guy's head and get picked up for the oh no. Please, please no. <laughs> no. But this feels like the same type of thing. Like Slaughter always gets tapped on the back and celebrates his win. Like it's a constant Slaughter trope, and I think it's just overdone by him. It's one of my <clears throat> criticisms of his work usually, is that he does that constantly. And yeah, he does it here too. And he celebrates more when he does that than when he ever wins a match. Like when he won the world title, he was just kind of like happy. Like here he's like whenever this happens, he's jumping up like a child. Right. And that's what he did with Tito with Survivor Series. Like he's done it multiple times before where he yeah. thinks he wins a match. Um, then we get a weird bit, too, where Adnan ties up the ref while Slaughter's covering Hogan, which was kind of weird. For like a like, 15 count. Yeah, it was odd. Not not the best strategy so far by these no, guys. Adnan's not. Adnan's not working the strategy here. They definitely rattled. Uh, so yeah. Slaughter grabs a chair. He pace Hogan in the head with it for two. Bobby thinks at this point now he's just trying to get disqualified. Hogan's bleeding pretty good. Sarge targets the cut. Uh, and then he gets the camel clutch. He releases and stomps the back and goes back to it. Hogan goes to his feet, but Slaughter runs him into the buckle, grabs the Iraqi flag, and drapes it on Hogan. And that starts the big Hulk up. What do you think the audience reaction here if Hogan just taps out to the camel clutch? Uh... 
Anger, shock, Sadness. rage. Donald Trump is like, fuck it, I have to change this country. Um, I, I do find that, like, Hogan, I love Hogan selling at this point. I love the facials, I love the body language, and I love the slow rolling kickouts he keeps doing, where he's just barely getting the shoulder up. I think it's such a nice little touch, and him convulsing in blood is always a great visual. Yes. It is. The blood definitely added to this, for sure. Um, to help at least ramp up, like we said, to slaughter have a shot. Well, at least we get the blood, we get in the chairs. Uh, but So, Hogan hulks up after the flag is draped on him. <clears throat> Sarge tries to slug away, and Hogan's just unloading. The crowd is losing it. Quickly, he hits the boot, drops the leg, and wins the title for the third time. So, a massive pop. Hogan poses with the flag after as well. Bob, in a great moment, Bobby says, I'm still having my party in Las Vegas, wherever it's going to be, the uh, post-party. And girl, who cares? <laughs> so good celebrating. <laughs> um, so this is the end of Slaughter's run. Uh, Hogan's back on the mountain. A really good match. I've always liked it. It's crisply paced. There's no fucking around at all. A lot of Hogan shine with Slaughter selling nicely. Sarge's heat was good, too. He did all the rule-breaking stuff to play off the angle. And we get the big payoff with the flag and the finish. You know, Gorilla says the war is officially over. <laughs> Seems a bit... Uh, <laughs> You know, because well, the, the Gulf War had already ended, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, because they dragged this out. So in his mind, this was like the final battle. This is the coda, yes. <laughs> they finally end the war. <laughs> Hussein was finally like, "All right, guys, we'll we'll, we'll stop now." Yeah, Sarge isn't champ anymore. We're done. <laughs> We're Everybody over. out of Kuwait. <laughs> um, I thought Sarge's heat was good. I thought Hogan Shine was really good. Slaughter's great selling. We had all the rule breaking stuff that played off the build, which was good. And we get the payoff with the flag and the finish um, and a hard reset on top of the WF year with a big changeover. So Hogan's a man again. And I thought it's a great closer, one of the best manias. Yeah, I I, lo- I really like the match, too. Um, I, I just I like the way it kind of broke away from the old Hogan formula we've seen in all these matches. And but now, it's funny. Now that I say that, I find all of these world title matches that we've seen with the changes with Hogan have all been different in their own way. They've all got a completely different feel to them. And I know Hogan's known as like the, a very much a routine man, but I find this kind of a bit shocking. Like Hogan Sheik is a squash. Hogan Andre is kind of this weird hybrid where it's almost an Andre squash with Hogan powering through. Hogan Savage is a blood feud. Hogan Warrior is a god battle. And then this is like a revenge match, but where he gets beaten up a lot. I, right. I think there's some interesting variety here. No, I agree. I, I think it definitely adds um, range and difference to a guy who you always hear just kind of had a formula, right? Even though he has that formula, he applies it, you know, in different ways. Exactly. And I, I did like, too, that Slaughter kicked out, like, at three, like like Hogan did the year before. Yes, yep. Nice little touch there. Um, yeah, so I really like the match. Um, I'm at a seven for the match quality. Uh, I am at a seven as well. Yeah. So that, that's probably like around a four ish for me, three, three and three quarters, four, which it sounds about right. It's one I've always enjoyed. How is a seven, a four for you? No, I guess it's three and three, uh, and a half. Well, a 10 would be five, right? Yeah. Nine, four and a half, eight, four. Yeah. It's probably like three and three quarters in there somewhere. Okay. Yeah. I'm probably somewhere between like, if I was doing a five star, it'd be somewhere between three and a half and three and three quarters. Yeah. I think that's, that's right. But as a, as a general rule for this project, I found that I've been rounding down. Um, <coughs> not, like when there's a quarter, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I guess I just kind of stick with where I'm usually at. But so. Yeah. Um, so for significance, like, I, I don't. It just kind of feels like 
another Hogan title win, kind of going back to the old, and it really kind of symbolizes the failure of the Warrior. Right. Yeah, so I would I'm agree with a, that. Yeah, I'm at a two for uh, significance. I'm with a three because it reinstalls Hogan as the top dog again. Um, but yes, it, it almost is like almost the last year didn't happen. Right. Like this could have been WrestleMania six. Right. Yes. Uh, I'm at a five for the moment. I thought the moment's really good. Like it, it's almost a shame. The war- not that I want the war to continue, but like, like I, it probably would have felt even better if they were still at war. Right. Yeah. I think it might've resonated more, but I think there was still enough anger there. Um, residual. It's not like it ended a year in advance, right? When did it end like January or February? I think it started in January. Cause I was at a camp when they told us. Right. So brought, brought us all down to a room and told us there was a war going on. Right. How many days did it last? It's not much. One month, one week. Yeah, February 28th. So it's only a month old. I mean, mm. it's not like it ended a while ago. No, 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 no. No, no. Uh, but I'm at a five for the moment. Like, I, I really liked it. I like the flag. I like everything involved there. Right. Agreed. So for the moment, for me, I went with a five. Yeah. How'd you feel about the build? I went with a five as well. I, I thought it was well done. I thought they put a lot of time and effort in. I thought they made Slaughter, like I said earlier, as believable as possible. I like all the Slaughter rules thing, and they pay it off in the match. So I thought they did a good job getting him prepared as best as they could, given who it was and what the situation was. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm at a, I'm at a four, just a little bit below. I find that, like, I mean, he's the right guy to face the traitor, Hogan, and he's rolling off the Rumble win. But it kind of feels like maybe, maybe for me, like Slaughter's lack of build to winning the title and being a credible champion maybe dings it a little bit for me. Yeah. But, but they, they put crazy. a lot of time in. There was like every week on Superstar, Slaughter was cutting those promos and everything else. Right. That makes sense. Uh, now, the aftermath is where I kind of struggle a little bit because mm-hmm. I feel it's just it's just another title win for Hogan. Um, I went with a three. His run in that stretch is better than I've given it credit for. Like watching for PCB, like the MSGs and the stuff in more detail. Like I always thought this was like a kind of end of the run run for him. Right. But watching it back, like he's still super over. He gets monster pops. He's got the really cool desert storm match of slaughter. I think if they just do something better at SummerSlam, it's reminded it's looked at better. Right. Plus, I mean, don't forget this also leads into him versus flair for the real world champion. Like this is this reign as well. So, yeah, I guess, but I, I guess, I guess, yeah, that is the reign. It just, that, that doesn't feel connected in any way to the match, which I, I know feels strange, but yeah, I hadn't considered flair. I'm going to bump it up to a three also. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, part of this reign, which seems crazy. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do that. All right. So that lands Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter uh, with 44 points. Uh, number one, was it obvious to you, too? Uh, yes, very. Yeah, yeah, me too. Extremely. S- like, super obvious. Yeah, there was no way. No way. Like, we've talked about it at WrestleMania 5. Like, it's Savage have retained, you know, but whatever. And yes, but this, there's like no way Slaughter is retaining. Yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah, no way. It's not like Savage at WrestleMania 5. Uh, so 44 points lands this as the eighth best WWF title change that we've done to date. Eight of 15. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I would have guessed that probably like right in the middle, right? A little better than in the middle, given our grade. And 
I think as we flush out more, I think I would expect it to land right around there, like a yeah. little above the middle. I'm surprised that Bob Backlund and the Iron Sheik is above it. Um, I think it has meant more, you know? Yeah, that's true. And then everything else has been our kind of top our top flight stuff. So that makes sense. All right. So Hogan holds the title until November mm-hmm. when he faces his gravest challenge. The gravest. Yeah. On November 27th, 1991 at the Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit. Undertaker, I mean, he had a real rocket push. Like, he debuted a year earlier, and here he is already challenging Hulk Hogan for the world title as a very legit threat. He And he ramped up because, I mean, he didn't get, like, too much of a push pre-Mania. It really started after Mania. So this is, like, a super hot shot rocket push for him. And, I mean, I guess in their minds, they're saving Hogan Flair from Mania at this point, right? So... Why not do Hogan Taker here and not Hogan Flair at this point? Like have Taker be the intermediary to buy you some time. Uh, it's also the first ever singles match in Survivor Series history. That's right. That's right. Now, when you say that, it was their plan then for still Flair to have the belt at WrestleMania then and Hogan to win it? Yeah, I think it's around-ish this time that they change it when the house shows were kind of up and down a little bit. And then I think once Hogan decides he's going to take some time off, um, with the steroid stuff and all that is when it's like finalized. But I, I don't think it's too far. It's around here in this realm that they decided on it. So, but yeah, I think when they sense. decided on this match, they were still planning on Hogan Flair. Yeah, I, I remember at the time thinking, oh, it's just another guy Hogan's gonna beat. Like when I was watching at the time, kind of thing. Right. Like I was scared of the Undertaker, like everyone was. Uh, especially after that fucking that beatdown on um, the the funeral parlor, where he kind of leaves the crucifix left on the bare chest of the Hulkster, like just kind of lying there. It's a great oh. beatdown. Yeah, it's a great attack. I mean, all that stuff with Flair like leads to this with Thunderlips and all that. I mean, that's all part of this again in this reign and in this match to set this up. Um, but I don't I don't think I believe Taker was gonna win. Like it, I I would, and we'll get to it after, but. Like, I think he was a threat, but I think I just assumed Hogan's keeping it till Mania to fight Flair. Like, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, he's just he's just a guy Hogan's going to run over. Like, he's a monster for Hogan to slay. And he kind of does, in a way. <laughs> I mean, it's within days. It takes him back down. Yeah. Uh, Taker's entrance is grim as always. You get the children hiding in terror. And crying. Kinda, <laughs> oh, yeah. They're <laughs> definitely frightened of him. We have a thin layer of booze floating over the Hush Islands, too, which was kind of cool. Uh, but Hogan's again still as over as ever. He just gets another monster pop here. Yeah, yeah, like he gets a huge pop. I love the children crying. Another child is in their mother's arms, mm-hmm. and I feel this makes it so much worse that like, Taker's about to walk out with the title. <laughs> that like all these children are upset. <laughs> There's also the Hulkamania casket at ringside. Yes, which Hulk Hogan absolutely destroys. Um, and I feel that's how you know when the company's doing well because caskets are expensive. Yes, not this one, apparently. No, smashed it. And it's around this point, too, where when Hogan's getting in the ring, Gorilla Monsoon goes, I've been around a long time, and Bobby goes, too long. <laughs> Favorite line of the night, I think. Gorilla also questions if Taker even feels pain, uh, as does Bobby here, because Hogan yeah. grabs a headlock to open the match, and we kind of slow with feeling out early. Uh, Taker grabs a choke. 
Uh, Taker continues a methodical assault. You know, Paul Barrett gets involved choking Hogan when he's at the edge of the apron. And I never, it never gets old. Monsoon calls him a piece of garbage. That's a uh, piece of garbage. Yeah. Kind of took over brother love. He was always Monsoon's big piece of garbage, but it uh, picks it up here for Paul Barrett. And then Jim Ross would carry the torch years later. Always shitting on Paul Barrett, calling him of a course, big, of piece course of trash and everything. Uh, Bobby says his monitor went out. Gorilla says your brain went out. Gorilla is on fire. Like, I feel like this is actually kind of an overlooked Gorilla Bobby show. You always think of Rumble and Mania, but they were really good throughout this whole show. Oh, yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, Gorilla and Bobby were always good, but any show that Flair was also on, like, added a layer of tension to it for yes. them. Yeah. Um, I love, too, that, like, we, we talk a lot about how great Taker is at the character, like, and and rightfully so. But Paul Bearer is also so excellent. Like, he's kissing the urn. He's worshiping the urn on the outside. Like, I don't recall outside work that strong until, like, maybe when Luke Harper was backing up Bray Wyatt. Right. Like, he's just in it. Like, he's in it from the beginning, you know? I I really dig that. Um, And I love, too, when Bearer chokes him. Like, he's getting involved. He goes, rest in peace, Hulk Hogan. Like, right into the camera. I love that. (laughs) And there's another moment where Taker... Taker misses a big elbow drop. Like he jumps and does a big elbow drop, but in one fluid motion sits up and starts to get up. Yes. I I think it's such a cool character moment. Like there's just so much forward momentum. I think we talked about that in the, one of the rumbles, like how he gets into the ring. Like he's just like, there's no stop. He just kind of flows in. Yeah, That's everything's how I felt. so smooth with him. Even this early, like when the character's still a little herky-jerky in spots, but like for this, like he did already have like a lot of the agility on his play early on in this gimmick. And that's one of them. Yeah. And like Taker hits a shoulder block and Hogan flees early. And Bobby's like the true mark of a coward. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love all of Bobby and gorilla in this too. Um, like, and then like, so Hogan nails him with a great clothesline mm-hmm. and gorilla's like clothesline city. If he had said bitch, would that have caught on? And yeah, I think on so. T-shirts? I think it could have been early on. It could have been yep. the thing. Exactly. Uh, but that, that backfires. His taker throws him into the post after that clothesline. Uh, chokes him with a camera cable. And back inside, he tries to smother him into submission. We get a real long claw hold on the face, uh, which kind of slowed the match down. It made sense from a strategy perspective, but it's just not the most super entertaining spot in the world. It's a bit uh, too long. Yeah, it's it goes on for a while. Hogan breaks it, and Taker cracks with a great flying clothesline, and then hits a tombstone. But Hogan no-sells it and pops up, which I thought was completely unnecessary. I know it's Hogan and this and that, but, like, this guy is so early in his career. It's not like Savage at five with the elbow so established. Like, this is so early to be, like, just blowing out of the tombstone. Well, and at least with the elbow, too, like, he got a two count. Right. Like, he just jumps. He jumps up. Yeah, it's unadvisable. I love, too, when... <laughs> When Taker hits that flying clothesline, the crowd really pops. Yes. Like it's a way bigger crowd reaction than you would expect for 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 what no, that is. The crowd is. is definitely more split here than you would think, despite the big pop for Hogan to start. Yeah. Uh, lock on. So Hogan's rocking Taker with right hands. Out comes Flair. Hogan meets him on the floor and drops him with the right hand. He goes back in, hits Taker with the boot, but Paul Barra gets up and trips Hogan before he can do the leg drop. The ref is tied up. Taker recovers, picks up for another tombstone, and this time Flair slides the chair into the ring. Taker <laughs> drops Hogan on it. Not not quite, but he drops Hogan on the chair and wins the world title. Monumental win. A year after he debuted at the same show, his ver- first world title. The crowd cheers. I think it was a little bit of a shock for the title change, but they definitely pop when 
uh, Taker gets the three count. Oh yeah, like <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty loud. Um, and I, I love that there's so much cheating involved before Flair gets out there. Yes. And then it gets turned up a notch when Flair gets there. And, and then there's the whole argument with Gorilla and Bobby. Like, what's he doing out there? <laughs> and that's great, too. And then when Hogan gets out and punches Flair, Bobby's like, why would he do that? <laughs> As though Ric Flair is this innocent pedestrian walking through. But I love the ending of this match. I love the tombstone on the chair. I love the pin. And I absolutely love the image of the Undertaker dragging the belt behind him with one mm-hmm. hand. Yes. I, I think that's such a cool character moment. Like, you know, if I wasn't sold on Undertaker, then I would have been sold on in that moment. Like the title's almost secondary. It, it's it's such a strange thing. Like so, like right. And Hogan's dead. Hogan's dead in the ring. And so, like I, I like this match. I think it's fun. I don't like the claw hold, but I don't feel it right. overstays its welcome. Like not a masterpiece, but that crowd is super hot, and I really like the ending. Right. And the reason it's in the middle of the show is because then they spend the rest of the show <laughs> hyping yeah. a rematch because they say, you know, Tunney. Immediately rules that because of Flair's interference, they got a, Hogan's going to get his immediate rematch this Tuesday in Texas. And then there's reports that Hogan may have like a busted up neck from the chair on the tombstone. And we get the big takeo promo at the end, too, of the night uh, with him in like the dark room with the belt. Yeah. Which is really cool. So, yeah, no, it's um overall, it's it's a good overall package. You know, match itself is whatever, but. The moment and the heat around it is really good. And I do think the crowd was out of shock because the chairs turned to booze pretty much right after the pin uh, when Taker yeah. when it kind of settles. But again, the last minute's really fun. I, I would have taken a Hogan no sign the tombstone. Like to me, Taker's winning the belt. Like, why are we blowing out of the move? Um, this wasn't needed. I, I liked everything after that. Flair screwing Hogan kind of like he promised. Uh, gorilla ranting, Bobby celebrating the glorious occasion, the referees check on Hogan, and you can kind of soak everything in, especially Bobby, just loves it all. Hulkamania is dead. Right. And, you know, the Taker, what, the question coming in was Taker just, like you said, another monster heel to be vanquished by Hogan on the way to Flair, but it's not the case. Like, Taker's now on top of the mountain, yep. and Hogan's left in a heap. Yeah, I, 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 you know, it's funny. Like, this is a bad show, I think, Survivor Series 91. Yeah. Uh, but I think the, the opener is great, and I think this match is fine. I think it's really everything else around it that makes the show bad. I don't think this. I don't think this match in any way hurts the show. Right. No, I agree with that. Um, it's it's one of the highlights for sure. Yeah. The and current structure of the show, the like replacement injury type stuff, and then them uh, just using it to hype Tuesday in Texas. What hurts the show? Exactly. Uh, that's why for the match, I'm at a five on. I'm at a five. It Owen. feels like just a middle of the road match. Oh, and four, so a little bit below that. Um, but yeah, it's like a whatever two and a quarter type thing. Yeah. Uh, but this, t- to me, where this hurts is there's there's just there's no significance other than it being Taker's first title win. Yeah, I gave it a two because it's significant that it it's Taker's first world title. It makes Survivor Series kind of Taker's show. It's the first singles match title change at a Survivor Series. And it's a big piece of the Flair stuff again. Like, it's significant in that it's a, you know, sounding shot for Flair and Hogan. Yeah, I guess I guess I just feel that it's such a, like, a, a super obvious promotional tactic more than anything else. Right. So that's why I'm at a one for significance. 
All right, for a moment, I, I gave it a three. Um, it's a cool moment. I'm actually I'm gonna bump it to four. The more we talked about it, I think it's I probably underrated it a bit uh, because of the role Flair plays, the the crowd hush over it, Bobby gloating, um, Taker winning the first belt. Like it definitely, and like you said, him walking, dragging it behind him. I'm at a five. I really like the moment. I think the moment's really cool because I think the shock, and not only the shock, because the shock of him winning's cool, but I think there was a really different brand of chaos to end this match i think i remember you guys you and scott talking about on place to be how flair really brought chaos to like the promotion and like i i found it was very true in this too so for that and the kids crying as undertaker wins i don't know Mm -hmm. that's that's real legitimate emotion so i'm at a five for the moment yep uh build i went with a four i thought they did a good job building Taker up as a threat. I liked all the gravest match stuff. I liked the dark feel around the show. And then you layer in all the flair stuff that was part of it too. Thunder Lips, the funeral parlor, him, you know, saying he's gonna screw Hogan, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I'm at a three. Uh same reasons. I just feel like not that Undertaker came out of nowhere as a challenger, but it's not like this was something you saw coming mm-hmm. from too far away. But I did love the funeral parlor segment. So I think that's enough to give it a give it a three. And then I went just with a one for aftermath. Obviously, it's Me over too. in a few days. So that's it. I mean, it still drives a bigger story, but this title change in particular is lower. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, like, it, it's all fine, but nothing groundbreaking. Correct. And I didn't think it was obvious at all. I was pretty surprised. Me too. I was hugely surprised. Um, so that gives it a total score of 30, which out of 16 title matches we've done, Puts it 15th. Are you surprised it's that low? Yes. But it's totally hurt by the aftermath. And the match quality. Match quality I guess is not super hurt. Yeah, it's middle of the road. Significance, too. Significance and aftermath really drag it down. Yeah, like, look, like, you know, for it to go to, like, 11th place, it would need three more points. Right. Yeah, like, it's crazy that it's behind Bruno and Koloff. Yeah, well, Bruno Koloff was hugely significant, too. I yeah, guess. I get Bruno and Stasiak, I guess, I should yeah. say. Yeah, I mean, but whatever. It is what it is, right? It's because it was used as a promotional tool. Right, and that's it. To sell the next match. Speaking of selling promotional tools, you want to talk about what's uh, going on North South Connection before we do our final match? Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on every single day. Um, everyone who's who's participated in creating shows has done a tremendous job of not only keeping the network up and going, but also just pumping out uh, varied content that um, is really for everyone. Uh, lots of ever, even if you're not, even if you're still not really a fan of the product, you can go back, and most of our stuff is evergreen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you got you got shows dealing with the ruthless aggressive era with Jake Williams bringing in guests. You've got ECW with you, uh, Souza and Jenny, you know, breaking that down. You got the year that was with me that carries like a bunch of whole different years. If you like the modern stuff, Ryan Gray's bringing it with previews uh, and review, uh, sorry, previews of shows when they come up. He's doing a great year in review segment now, which I quite enjoyed. If you watch the current pay-per-views, Marcus and Tim break it down after every single show. They tell you what to watch, what not to watch. They do a great job doing that. If you're into movies, we got some Squared Circle to Silver Screen, Cowboy and Crossland, you know, bringing it. Their last episode uh, that they did was on that Red Notice, which starred Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So it's about movies uh, with wrestlers or involving wrestling or as anything to do with wrestling and movies. You and Tim are breaking down a 90210 
you know, check out the Jenny position too. She's killing it too over there. You know, we have so many talented people that are helping build this thing together. Uh, their contributions are amazing, uh, but it couldn't be what it was without the listeners. So thank you for listening and thank you for participating. Subscribe to our network. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. And thank you. All right, our final match does take place this Tuesday in Texas, which is just a few days later on December 3rd, 1991, at the Freeman Coliseum San Antonio. It was a test run potentially for weekly pay-per-views or um, maybe just more regular than like the four that they had a year. Yeah. Giving it a test drive to see how it would do using Survivor Series to hype uh, the show a few days later, you know, with a lot of focus on obviously Slaughter and Jake. I mean, uh, Savage and Jake, and then this, this match as well with the two big drawing cards for it. So not a lot of build up to this one, obviously. It's just they announced it on Survivor Series. They hyped it over the weekend, and then here we are. Um, I thought Taker looked good marching out the belt, uh, ominous dragging vibe. it still. Yep, just a really cool moment early on in his career. Another big, th- yeah. It made me think that he was just he just he'd been walking ever since he got the belt. Right. Yes. Yeah, like you think he walked right to San Antonio? Yeah, yeah. Right, and then like this is like right from the <laughs> ring, and this is his like trajectory. Um, Hogan, another big pop. And he just flies to the ring. Taker goes right at him. So it's a much hotter start than at Survivor Series. You get Barra getting smacked during all the mayhem. He gets cleared out of the ring. Hogan's dominating with strikes. Uh, Hogan slams Taker. The champ just keeps getting up after each move. And then he, uh, Hogan closes on his Taker over the top. He lands on his feet. And Barra's like super desperate coming over to him. Oh, I love it. I love the start. I love that Hogan, on his way to the ring, rips off his shirt, like really selling that he means business. Uh, and little underrated bit about this, Jack Tunney is at ringside for this yeah, one. Yeah, shows up here pretty much to preside after they go to the floor um, yeah. because he said he wanted to be there to make sure there was no bullshit, basically, like it's very serious. Had he ever been ringside for anything before? <sighs> this really starts like his him being much more active on screen. Uh, he's well, from Flair's like he arrival. <laughs> yeah, for like Flair's arrival – over the next couple of years, he's much more of an active participant. For sure. Promotion's going crazy. Like there's a guy putting people in caskets. Jake's trying to kill people with snakes. Yes, he needs to be way more active. <laughs> they may or may not have been devenomized by the lab. So Taker's choking away. Uh, the crowd is red hot trying to rally Hogan as Tony's taking a seat. Uh, T- Taker keeps choking and punching. He's smothering Hogan. Uh, Taker's no-selling everything. He just mows Hogan back down out of an atomic drop. And Bob even says it. Like, Hogan cannot sustain any offensive momentum here, uh, which I thought was a great point. Yeah, uh, I love that. And, I mean, look, say what you will about Hogan as a worker, but he has the crowd in the palm of his hands from the moment he steps out and completely throughout the match. Oh, yeah, 100%. They are all in. Yeah, and everything he does. Like, he knows just when to punch Paul Bearer to, like, pop the crowd. Um, I I like, too, in this match that Hogan's fighting out of the rest holds much faster. Yes, yeah. It's like they realize, like, we didn't need a smother hold for 10 minutes this time. Yeah. And Hogan, at one point, too, runs into Taker's boot, like, really hard. Mm -hmm. Like, But his whole energy on the comebacks is, is, is really interesting. Like, there's, like, a desperation to his work, which I really like. Yeah. No, agreed. Uh, I like the spot off the top of the axe. And uh, Hogan takes a good bump outside to the post. That looked pretty good. Uh, Taker goes goes to the face mother, and he does keep it out a while. So to that point, they hadn't really. But it feels like it's not as long as Survivor Series, and the crowd actually stays more into it this time. And like you yeah. said, Hogan works out of it quicker. Uh, he escapes, and Taker trips on a whip, and Bobby says there could be a wet spot on the mat. Yeah. He do, fell. You think, do you think that was the last time Vince McMahon screamed at The Undertaker? Might have been. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but then right after that, flying clothesline, and Hogan is convulsing on the mat. Yes. Yep. Eats a big boot, too, on there. Out comes Flair. Gorilla's pissed. Tony tries to stop him. They're fighting on the floor. As Hogan's hammering away, clotheslines take her outside. Hogan slides out. He smashes Flair with a chair, and Flair falls forward, knocking out Jack Tunney, yeah, which will actually look great. Tunney really takes a good bump. Yeah. Uh, back inside, Taker and Hogan are trading blows. Flair gets up on the apron with a chair, but Hogan throws Taker into it, hits the big boot. Paul Bearer gets up as Flair's trying to wake up Tunney so he can see what's going on. Taker hooks uh, Hogan, but Bearer smacks Taker with the urn by accident. Hogan empties the urn and throws ashes in Taker's face and rolls him up for the win. As Flair forces Tony to the apron to witness Hogan using the ashes. So a lot of madness at the end. Uh, Hogan nails Taker with the belt after. I thought they did a good job of the chaos, but it does play up that Hogan's willing to do anything. He's felt that these guys are taking a lot of liberties with him and he can play dirty here to win the title back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he threw human remains in a man's face. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, and right in front of Jack Tunney, too. Was that the first time human remains have been used in a wrestling match? Uh... To your knowledge, no. Taker had to have used them at some point, right? Did he dump re- remains out and throw them? I don't know when the ashes first were first used. Because I I don't remember ashes coming out of that thing other than here or when CM Punk dumped the ashes. Right. Did that happen at any other point? Ashes. You tell me all those years there was never another time. I don't remember. I'm not saying that's why I'm asking you. You're the expert. Yeah. I'm not the expert. You're the expert on Ashes. So this is pretty solid. Like, it seemed like an all-timer to me after Survivor Series as far as the match goes. <laughs> um, the end was good. It was mayhem. It was chaos. It built to a hot crescendo after a little bit of a lull. I thought he did a good job protecting Taker. He takes a lot of bullshit to get beaten. Uh, and the crowd loved it, too. It was, a, it was a fine main event and a big moment on this kind of forgotten show. Yeah, I mean, this show's actually much better than Survivor Series. <laughs> like, as a whole. Um, I find this match like maybe just a step. I like this match just a step below the Survivor Series one, but not I had, much. I had it the same because it's the match itself to me is better. The extracurricular stuff of Survivor Series is better, so they kind of balance the two out. But I think the actual work of this match is better. Yeah, I'm I'm just a bit below. I'm at a four for the match. You're yeah, the same, too. right? Yeah, so just a step below. Um, I do, but this one's way more significant than the other one. Uh, oh, for sure. So I went six on this because you get Hogan winning his fourth title, but then you also get the, um, you know, obviously gets vacated because of the finish, which will set up the rumble and all that. So it's, it's a pretty important twist. Yeah. I'm a five for those, those reasons. Uh, I like the idea that Jack Tunney's there. Um, it does set up the rumble, which is still the greatest Royal rumble of all time. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm just a little bit, a little bit behind you there. Okay. I'm over the four for the moment. Again, it's to me, it was similar. Um, well, I'm going to downgrade it. I upgraded the other one. I'll downgrade this one because it's not as big of a moment. Although Hogan doesn't win the title. He gets a big pop. I'm going four. Let's stick okay. with four. Uh, I'm going, th- I'm going to keep mine at three because I do feel it's significant. I, watching, watching the Survivor Series one, I felt like I was watching a special moment. Right. Like Taker winning, the chaos, everything. And in this one, I felt like I was watching a similar moment with not the same level of special feel. You had the chaos, but it was almost a retread of the match a few days before in a lot of right. ways. And it didn't feel as special with Hogan winning versus Taker winning. Right. Uh, okay, so for build, I went with a three. I mean, it's minimal, but Survivor Series does play a role in it. I, I went with a two because it just felt like, okay, match rematch. 
Aftermath. Yeah. What do you got? I'm at a seven. Yeah, same for me. I mean, it's obviously a huge deal. They spend the next month with the title in abeyance going into the Rumble, and it sets up the greatest, one of the greatest matches in company history. So that's it. And and in you you also have Hogan and Undertaker in that match feel like real important cogs in that match too because yes. of it, right? Uh, so yeah, it, it's obviously a really important match uh, in terms of setting that up. And, you know, it kind of sets the tone for the whole next year. And I love that year. So mm -hmm. here we are. Uh, so I, I thought this was kind of pretty obvious. Like, I didn't think Taker was going to retain. Like, why would they do this rematch and have Hogan lose again? Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess sort of like maybe it was my like now it feels obvious. But my right. naivety at the time was like, well, Hogan just lost it. He's not going to win it right back. Right. Never really seen that. I, I don't think we'd ever seen that before. Like, uh, no, 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 not to this point. Like it's not like Steve Austin losing it to Kane and winning it the next night, right? right, right. Yeah, <laughs> you come more of a thing later. Yeah, like this was like whoa already. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but yeah, still, I'd, I'd still lean towards. Oh, he's probably gonna win. Oh my goodness! So that <laughs> that lands this match with forty five points. Are you ready to see where it lands? Uh, I'm gonna say probably around halfway. It lands one spot ahead of Hogan and Slaughter. I think, again, we've said it a couple times tonight. This is where the way we do the categories gives you a full look and full picture of these matches. Because nowhere in a just standard match ranking would this ever be behind Hogan Slaughter, right? No. But, but because we are factoring in so many pieces of it, it is. Like, the aftermath of this just means way more than, than Hogan Slaughter does. Of course. Oh, it's, that's really cool and interesting. Mm. I like that. All right, do you want to run down the top 10 before we get out of here? Uh, I'm going to let you do that. Okay. So number 10 is, uh, we've done 17. Number 10 is Bob Backlund versus Billy Graham from uh, MSG. Uh, number nine, Hogan versus Slaughter, WrestleMania 7. Number eight, Hogan versus The Undertaker, this Tuesday in Texas. Number seven, Bob Backlund versus The Iron Sheik from MSG. Number six, Buddy Rogers get losing to Bruno <laughs> San Martino. Holding strong. Number five, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, WrestleMania 6. I, I, I'm a bit surprised that that's still only number five. Yeah. Uh, number four, Randy Savage, Ted DiBiase. Those are tied, so I guess we could probably put one ahead of the other if we wanted. Number three, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, WrestleMania 5. Number two, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, the main event. And still holding strong is the number one title change of all time, Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik uh, from MSG. Yeah, which I think feels right. I mean, it's ushered in such a massive era. So, yeah. It'd be interesting I, if anything surpasses it. Well, we'll see if that, if mm. that happens next time. <laughs> so next time we're going to cover three. We're going to cover the Rumble 92 match and then Flair Savage at WrestleMania 8 and Flair Savage from Hershey, Pennsylvania, which are on a prime time on September 1st. Have you ever watched that before? Probably a long time ago, but not anytime recent. Uh, I've never seen it. I'm looking forward to watching it. Me too. I mean, it's definitely one of the ones I would know the least um, of this. So it'll be interesting to see like where it checks in. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be kind of toward the bottom. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens when we watch it. Uh, but that'll be in two weeks' time. And in the meantime... Uh, uh, one month. One month. Time. Oh, one month. That's right. And in two weeks, we're going to continue our stretch project for the year. Yeah, so we'll be back with uh, the number 100 to number 90 
on our refreshed five-year look back GWWE lists. So this will be uh, a month from tonight. We'll uh, break out the uh, Flair collection here. So. Excellent. Dookie's dropped. Talk to you in a couple weeks. Gas. Here I am on the road again. There I am up on the stage. Here I go playing the star again. There I go. Spotlight, you're a million miles away. Every ounce of energy you try to give away as the sweat pulls out your body like the music that you play. Echoes from the amplifiers ringing.